Hello, and welcome to Brews Less Traveled, where we explore the best undiscovered craft beer cities across America. I'm your host, Brian, and we're back with another episode. This week, MC and I enjoyed two beers from Double Shift Brewing Company, another great brewery located in the Crossroads District of Kansas City. We featured their Copper Mirrors Vienna Lager, as well as their Tessellation American IPA. We were also joined by Crystal, Joe, and Alanis from Double Shift. We talked about the strong community in their neighborhood, what it was like installing a canning line in the last year, and how to savor a bottle with a tulip glass. Something to note with this episode, we did have a little bit of audio issues during the stream, so please bear with us and enjoy the conversation nonetheless. Cheers! Let's get to the episode. Bruce Less Traveled is recorded in front of a live Zoom audience. You may hear mentions to the chat or the live stream viewers. If you're interested in participating in the live stream, you can join the Bruce Less Traveled Beer Club at Bruvana.com. Hello, everyone, and uh, how's it going, MC? Hey, Brian. I'm good. How are you? Uh, another night. Great to be back. Great to have everybody in uh, the chat with us. Shout out to all the subscribers joining us on the stream tonight. MC, how's it going tonight? What's going on? What are we getting into? It's going good. Um, I'm really excited about this last brewery, last but not least, in Kansas City. You know, we've had a lot of really good beers out of Kansas City, so I do not think that we're going to be disappointed tonight. And we have a wonderful featured brewery tonight, Double Shift Brewing Company. We have some guests joining us from Double Shift, and we'll be drinking their Copper Mirrors Lager and their Tessellation IPA. But first, MC, I believe you have some news to share with us. I do. I do have some news. Probably a lot of listeners by now know about me. I've been, because uh, I think I've mentioned it maybe a couple of times. Um, I've been studying for the Cicerone exam for a long time now. And I took my exam at the end of January. I got my exam results back this week. And I am really excited to announce that I'm officially a certified Cicerone. Woo! Yay! Congratulations. That Thank is so you. wonderful to hear. Thank you. Uh, yeah, very exciting. Very exciting. Oh, I got you a present. Yeah? What is it? It's uh, it's a sticker from Double Shift. I, I sent Brian, you one. how did too. you know? <laughs> that was perfect. It's exactly what I wanted. No, seriously. Our friends at Double Shift sent these stickers to include in this month's box. So, live stream viewers, throw it in the chat where your double sticker is going to end up. But seriously... MC, congratulations for passing a certified Cicerone exam uh, as a certified beer server. I have looked over that. I have considered taking that many times, and it is a daunting task to even consider studying for it, let alone passing it. So huge, huge props to you. Congratulations. Yeah, it's such you. awesome news. Yeah, it was daunting. I'm glad that the studying is out of the way, but now I, uh, now I got to stay sharp. You know, the studying kept it right there at the front of my head, so... Yeah. Uh, can't can't slip now. No, can't can't slip up at this point. But seriously, I can't think of a better way to celebrate the newest certified Cicerone in the United States than to open up this Vienna lager and get your thoughts on it. Yeah, me neither. Let's do it. Oh, Vienna lager, that's not a style you see a ton of. I'm excited to get into this. Definitely. 
our good friend Kit Kat in the chat is asking, are you going for the next level? That would be the advanced oh, Cicerone. That really seems to be the first question everybody's asking me recently. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. So I, um, I work at a brewery right now. I work on the canning line. So there's not a ton of reason to be an advanced Cicerone on the canning line. But I also do a lot of this education stuff. Um, I work at Unboxed, which is a sister company of Brivana, and I do some remote tours there. So any more education I can get is beneficial, I think. So I think for right now, I'm going to take a beat and just enjoy drinking beer for a little bit. And I think if I do anything next, our friend Elizabeth Belden from Kansas or from Casey Beer Company has kind of gotten me excited about learning to be a BJCP judge. Um, so I might look into that next. I have heard the step from certified Cicerone to advanced Cicerone is a massive undertaking. And not to dissuade you from doing it, but I think I would agree with your assessment of maybe going a little different direction, uh, maybe pursuing some judging, stuff like that, take a take a break from the serious, serious beer stud studying, and, you know, use that knowledge that you gain to judge other people's beers. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when will I start home brewing? Any day now. I've been flipping through the home brewing books. I do a little bit of R&D brewing at the brewery that I work at right now. I just go and help. So yeah, hopefully soon. Yeah. So Vienna Lager tonight, like you mentioned already, definitely not a style you see very often, but a style I always reach for when it's available. Beautiful, dark amber, almost brown color in this one. As the light hits it here, you can really see that almost ruby red uh, color in it. Beautiful head. Kind of an off-white colored head. Yeah, nice and toasty. Um, it gets it gets almost like chocolatey as it kind of like sits in your mouth for a little bit. I feel like. Yeah, um, more of those subtle and kind of behind the scenes malt flavors come out. Definitely some toffee in here, as as some right. people are saying in the chat. I was just about to mention that because it is brewed with a. Correct me if I'm saying this wrong. A caviac yeast. Okay. Hot debate coming up here because I'm certainly going to say it wrong, but I've heard Quebec or Quebec, okay. uh, something like that. Yes, Roger in the chat identified it. Yes, Quebec, Quebec, K-V-I-E-K. Exactly. That yeast, which yep. hails from Norway, uh, is right. actually used in this beer. Very, very special yeast. Do you have any experience uh, with Quebec? <laughs> yeah, I do. I feel like I mostly see it in IPAs. Um, I don't know if that's just kind of a trendy thing to do. But yeah, I mean, like you said, it comes from Norway. It's typically traditionally used as a, a farmhouse ale yeast. Um, but rather than what we kind of have come to know about farmhouse ales, it's not so much funky as it is fruity. The characteristic taste of Kiviak yeast um, that I have come to know, at least, is kind of like a fruit leather, like a fruit roll-up, almost. Are you getting that a little bit? I think that's where that toffee is coming from, like that yeast, the intersection of the yeast and the malt, I think. Now that you say it, fruit leather, like, jumps out. Like, right. uh, it's not, yeah, it's not like a uh, 
it's not like a fruit snack flavor. It's not like a uh, fresh fruit flavor over ripe fruit flavor. It's fruit almost like leather. a chocolatey, jammy taste. If they made like jam out of chocolate, that's what I'm getting in this beer. Ooh, chocolate jam. Yeah. New idea. Just a thought. Yeah, and the more I smell it, that I'm getting a lot of that that fruit leather raisiny character in in the mm -hmm. aroma. And I think I think you're mm -hmm. you're spot on with your assessment there. Is that it's that interplay between the fermentation character and the malts in here, which is something you normally don't get in lagers because the whole role of yeast during fermentation in a lager is to really get out of the way and just ferment the beer and really not add a ton of flavor to the beer. Right. And Kiviak yeast is brewed, this might be considered, this would be a good question for our guests, but it's, I don't know that it's, this would necessarily be considered a lager, maybe more of a hybrid style because this yeast um, ferments very well at a higher temperature, at like pretty high temperatures actually. So it might be fermented a little warmer than a, than a, than a lager typically is. Yeah, and, and some people are pointing it out, calling it out right. in the chat now. Pseudo lager is often right. the term that's associated with these types of yeast or these types of beer. Uh, because, yeah, the craziest thing about Quebec is it tolerates fermentation temperatures that most other yeast strains would not be tolerable of all, at all. So uh, for context, the typical fermentation for an ale is around... 70 degrees Fahrenheit, 20 yeah. degrees Celsius for our uh, international viewers. And Quebec could ferment upwards of 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. I don't know what that is in Celsius. I only know I only know normal ale fermentation. Right. <laughs> Do you want to know a hilarious factoid that I found out about Quebec yeast recently? What is that? So apparently, traditionally, uh, Norwegian brewers would scream into the fermentation barrel what? because they thought maybe that that aided in the fermentation process. Free, that, you can't go wrong. Might as well try. If you, for the fan, uh, fans at home, if you didn't know this, Norway is also uh, what many would say is the originating country of black metal right. and big influence on death metal. So maybe there's some tie in there. Somebody was walking by a brewery and they heard a brewer just, ah, and they're yeah. like, we should, we should turn that into a song. And then, right. then the rest is history that not too many people know. And, and everybody that is listening now is getting tired of my black metal references because <laughs> who cares? This is just a, a wonderful beer to be drinking on a night like this, a cozy tasting beer for a cozy evening. Yep. And it's cold. Oh my gosh, it's so cold in Missouri. So if you were drinking this in Kansas City tonight, even even better. That uh, would be absolutely great. Uh, it's it's like in the 40s here, so it's not super, super cold, but uh, definitely makes for a, a nice beverage, even despite that it's not that cold. I think it's time to learn more about our featured brewery tonight learn more about this beer and the brewery behind it. So please welcome Crystal Smith, Joseph Simm Simmons, and Alanis Butler of Double Shift Brewing Company. How's it going tonight? Hey, good. Uh, it is thank you. very cold here. I heard you mention the weather. It is. <laughs> yeah, I'm in like, Columbia, so I'm sure our weather is very oh, similar. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's punishing out there. Very brutal. 
Yeah, right. I definitely went for a little walk and couldn't feel my <sighs> fingers after a while. Right. So a little more about your brewery before we um, really get into the, the thick of it. Double Shift, you guys describe yourself as located in the heart of the Crossroads Arts District, which our listeners know all about at this point in February. Um, you've been providing Kansas City with high quality beer in small batches. Um, and this is a quote. This isn't me saying this. Crafted by maniacs who live double lives. <laughs> Um, by day, you are brewers who ponder only beer, and by night, you are artists, musicians, video game, and tattoo enthusiasts. So, uh, yes. you know, right off that description, that's that's quite an intro. Sounds like, you know, there's a lot of intersection between beer and art um, in your brewery, and your work. Can we talk a little bit about that? Like, what role does art play I'm in the story of Double Shift, whoever wants to take that. I'm sorry, like John couldn't be here because it was a weather related thing, but um, he's our head brewer. He was one of the first employees at the brewery and started bartending when he was in art school and has just kind of worked his way up. And he is still a graphic designer. He has actually has his own company as well. Um, and he does all of our labels and our merch and he even painted the uh on the brewery the side of the brewery there him and his buddy painted that it was you and john they had to like rent a little cherry picker and and to paint that up there yeah it was like <laughs> negative something with the windshield today it was definitely the coolest day in a while does he do the can artwork like the cans yes. that we're looking at tonight yep there yes, he cool. does so yeah, he does those. And then, yeah, any, really any images you see related to Double Shift, I think ever, has anybody else done any labels? He's been there for so long, so. Well, I mean, Logan will do some. Oh yeah, his, his I guess, business partner with uh, his graphic design company does some of the stuff for us as well. So they do collab a little bit for sure on some things. Um, Creature Boys is the name of their company. But yeah, and they're definitely, uh, so that, is probably the biggest art related thing but then also i think all of us as well like i know joseph and john bond a ton over music and that's where uh, some of our names are your names are derived from kind of weird music related things tattoos uh we had a beer called sucky panther that's pretty obvious <laughs> if you have ever googled sucky panther uh you can go down a, a huge rabbit hole there but we all have a pretty we're all had it up some more than others um you know i think we appreciate the the art behind that as well and then also our location too i think was a huge part in in the crossroads just in general it was an art district obviously so it's been slowly building up over time and now we have there's a ton of breweries and distilleries down there and and it's still i mean i think at its core it's the crossroads these crossroads at least um is heavily involved in art I mean, if you travel down like where we're at, there's like graffiti everywhere. So we're obviously like inspired by that. I mean, there's just art, there's art all around us that I think kind of inspires us too. Yeah, so. yeah we, um, we're actually super fortunate that there are, there is graffiti slash murals everywhere. And it, it provides us with a lot of cool photo ops. I don't know if you scrolled through our Instagram at all, but uh, we get a lot of color <laughs> from that, which is really fun. Yeah. Uh, gives a lot to the, gives a lot to the marketing department to work with. Yeah, we just basically walk down the alleyway and take photos. Yeah, we honestly, 
we we've had a few professional photos done, but like usually the beer can photos are are John or myself or Elena or or Joseph just kind of wandering around and finding inspiration That's <laughs> awesome. like outside the brewery. Yeah. Usually we just like steal a four pack from the fridge and kind of like walk a few blocks and like, does this, does this work or is this a no? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now let's take a beer break. We've talked about a few of the stories surrounding the Norwegian variety of yeast known as Kvek, but have you ever heard of a Kvek ring? Now these were circular rings made of interlocking pieces of wood, historically used by brewers to capture wild yeast and then reuse that yeast in future batches. Brewers would hang these rings above open-top fermenters, dipping the ring into actively fermenting beer and then allowing the ring to dry. The ring could then be dipped into subsequent batches, not only inoculating the new beer with the old yeast, but also capturing any new strains picked up from the environment. Now let's get back to the show. Let's get into our second beer. Um, I have a question for Elena. Elena, can you tell us more about this Tessellation IPA that we're drinking? Am I, first of all, am I saying your name right? Elena, yeah, Elanis, um, I went back and forth on this. My, my parents were big fans of Alanis Morissette, so that's 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 where that comes from. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, so Tessellation is it's just supposed to kind of highlight the mosaic hop that uh, a lot of brewers tend to use with IPAs, and we just thought the hop in general was just really awesome, like a really nice flavor, and so we just really wanted to make sure we could highlight that, and so we just made like a really nice kind of single hop mosaic, like it's almost the entire boil is just like, I think it's like about eight pounds of mosaic. And then the dry hop is also a ton of mosaic as well. So we just really love mosaic. Mm. Yeah, it that classic mosaic aroma just jumps out of this glass. And yeah. But it's still like really drinkable. Like I feel like mosaic just doesn't give you that straight hop burn at the end as uh, like a lot of other like big like alpha hops can yeah that's this weird thing for for the for the listeners at home viewers at home there's this weird thing that happens when you start to really heavily hop beers especially beers that are loaded with a lot of oils and acids you get this thing that brewers and beer nerds call hop burn where you get this great hop character up front but on the finish it almost burns your it, it burnt it almost burns your mouth as it goes down and it's very unpleasant and this beer has absolutely none of that and it's just yeah this is very smooth you yeah we definitely like, kind of call it a gate gateway ipa in the tap room yeah that's a good way of putting it. yeah yeah people that will tell me that they don't like ipas i can get them to drink this for sure and even though the appearance isn't what you would associate with like new england or modern style ipas it still has a wonderful juicy finish it's not too dry but it, like you said it's still very drinkable and very enjoyable i am borderline depressed that this is the only one of this beer that i have <laughs> right. yeah well, i unfortunately no plans to be able to ship our beer out that far yet well obviously being in columbia oh. we are working on being able to ship our beer within the state of missouri because our license will allow for that um, but there's still a hoop you had to jump through before you can actually make it happen. Oh, so. Very cool. Yeah. Well, 
my uh, my 30th birthday is next weekend. So I'm planning a brewery trip to Kansas City next weekend. So maybe I will just uh, buy a buy a few cases to bring home. There you go. We um, actually next week. It's cool. You mentioned that because we did a collaboration beer with Perennial out of St. Louis and we are supposed to release that on Friday, next Friday. Oh my goodness. For me, for my birthday. Yeah. We heard you were coming to town. Perfect. I'll be there. Shout out to perennial artisan ales. Phenomenal brewery. Okay. And super nice people. They were honestly so amazing to work with. Like, I don't know, like as a brewer, sometimes you're really afraid to ask questions because sometimes there's a lot of like uh, guarded knowledge sometimes with a lot of things. And so they were just super nice with just like, oh, hey, like this is kind of how we do our thing. Or like, have you guys thought about trying this out with like your next beer? Like, how is your process with this? What is this like? That's so cool. So I read that, you know, like a lot of breweries in 2020, 2021, especially, um, you all started canning your beer. Um, so can you explain to our listeners, to our live stream audience, um, some of the challenges of canning beer, especially like right now or during 2021, especially when everyone was trying to get their beers on cans and on shelves? <laughs> Where yeah. to begin? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, right. Um, I mean, we got we were super fortunate to get a canning line early on in 2020 because we were already talking uh, with Alpha, their company up in Nebraska that we get all of our equipment from. We actually just got another tank this weekend or this week. Yeah, we we were already talking with them. We're in the process of ordering the canning line, so we were really early on that list. Um, and then by the time you know, it took like what was it like? 15 weeks or something like that for us to finally get it. It was definitely yeah, it always a uh, one more week, one more week, one more week kind of a thing. <laughs> but then by the by the time like we went and, you know, we went to go pick it up and there was like, we were like number 12 on a list of like 50. So oh, like that kind of order, like back orders they had. So it was really crazy, obviously, um, especially, you know, that was a time like, you know, we were shut down and then we just had to pivot. And like, that's when we started to pivot towards putting anything like, you know, we started out with bottles, just hand bottling um, a lot, anything we could. Um, and that, you know, we we're fortunate to have a good fan base and like a bunch of awesome customers that supported us through that. Um, and then, you know, just, I think the issue now that everybody has is getting cans, you know, it's, it's harder to get like 12 ounces are really hard to get. Um, we do 16 ounces and we've been fortunate to be able to get them, but so every week it's like a kind of up in the air. Like, are we going to be able to get them this week? I think that's one reason that we uh, decided to go with 16 ounce cans is because we knew already that it was a struggle to get 12 ounce cans. Luckily that has worked out for us and there hasn't been an issue getting um, 16 ounce cans to this point. But I mean, I think, we keep hearing that there's an aluminum shortage. So they you know, keep saying you just that. Gotta, yeah. our, our, our canning line, we are able to switch it to 12 ounce cans. Not that I think if we couldn't get 16 ounce cans, we probably couldn't get 12 ounce, but it is, does take a lot of work to, to kind of switch that over though. But we do have the ability if we, if we needed to. Yeah, we found our market does really tend to gravitate towards the 16 ounce cans. I think most I think most breweries are going that way either because of I don't know I, I I in my perspective it would be I think I think 
can, customers are, are more likely to justify like a, a 16 to $20 four pack of 16 ounces because it's like, oh, it's bigger cans. Sure. I don't know, maybe. We <laughs> only have four of them. Really yeah. naive yeah. opinion of it. Yeah, I mean, we've seen, you know, upwards of like 25, occasionally more for a four pack of 16 ounce cans here, you know, especially as you're seeing some big stout or triple IPA or just like a really specialty barrel aged or anniversary release. It's also, it's also a little easier too, I think, for, um, for liquor stores to break them up into the single store. Um, Yeah. That's a huge format that. You know some of our uh, some of the stores that carry us do. You know they have huge pick six pick six doors, um, and you know they can make you know decent margins off of a, of a sixteen ounce can. So I think that's kind of like that plays a big role in it too, as far as like going with sixteen ounces. But yeah, like you said, I, I think I do agree with. I think it's people can justify or do justify. It's like oh, they are they are bigger, you know, and they will spend a little bit more money. I think it. I think it allows us to get a little weirder with our graphics as well. Yeah. There's just a lot more room. Yeah. To work yeah, yeah there you go. There's more room for the that. canvas is much larger for John <laughs> and Logan. Yeah. Yeah. Where like sit around and be like, yeah, can you throw him like a bloody? <laughs> <laughs> what does that look like? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So. I have a question for Joe. Um, uh, in in my research that I did for the the live stream here, I saw a video of you sabering a bottle with a tulip oh, yeah. glass. I forgot yeah. And uh, with a so this, tulip glass. With yeah. A tulip glass. So this is a two parter. Uh, <laughs> for folks who don't know, how do you saber a bottle? Like, can you explain that? And what is the most dangerous object you've used to oh, save a bottle? Oh, man. <laughs> I will be surprised if it's not a tulip um, Okay. Well, that's, so, again, this is kind of a story okay, of events that were happening around that time. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know where to start with this. Was, oh, my God. That was when we first started. That was actually when we first started to bottle it. So, I think it was tessellation. That was around, like, that was around the time we started uh, bottling. We first started bottling. But we also have, I have some other uh, on-premise accounts that we were just sabering bottles all the time. That was just like the thing. On Sundays, we would we would meet up at this place called Campground, and we would everyone would just like buy bottles, uh, and we would just be sabering bottles all night. So that's kind of where that like came from. And then you just kind of get really good at it. You saber enough bottles, you kind of know what to do. <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah, it was like pretty easy. I mean, it's just the two of glasses. I mean, the bases are pretty thick. So you just gotta kind of ride it up that neck and pop the cork or uh, pop the bottle off, <laughs> top of the bottle. So, um, so from how I understand it, you find that seam on the bottle where yeah. the bottle, when the bottle was formed, it was connected, and mm-hmm. the idea is to put pressure on that as you slide up it, and that will slice the top of the bottle off, send it flying, give you an awesome Instagram or TikTok video, <laughs> and make everybody go, yay! Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just you know, it's pretty easy to do, honestly, with like a long neck bottle because I think that's what we were using, and those are pretty easy. And yeah, you don't have to do a bunch of pressure to apply a bunch of pressure. You just slide it you gotta be confident you just gotta go with it Uh, yeah if you think about it it's already pressurized inside the bottle so like it just needs a little (laughs) yeah you hit that that lip like right before the cap and then comes off poof pretty easy all right we should make yeah i just was thinking now (laughs) we have tiktok now that that saber video is pre-tiktok so man we need we need to saber some more stuff well we need a bottle 
<laughs> we special announcement we announced this beer just so we yeah. can post this video of joe yeah. sabering a bottle again please yeah. come yeah. buy it but uh no that was uh the whole sabering was pretty much in uh he's a friend of mine friend of the brewery he's a wine director for uh fox and quill a restaurant here in kansas city and he was the one that kind of started that whole trade and then you also you kind of talked about what's the craziest like they were they used like a pickup truck one time to save a bottle uh, um, what? Uh, a pickup truck. A hatchet, really? Um, I mean, all kinds. Like whatever you can find. My favorite was a child's bicycle. Oh yeah. Were you there but, No, but you told oh. me about it. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't sound cool. <laughs> we were like, what? <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is whatever you can find, really. That's awesome. I am uh, I am going on a uh, trip this weekend, and I am going to uh, I'm actually going on a cruise, and I'm I I think that would be frowned upon if I savored a bottle there, but um, oh my god, yeah, you just gotta we'll create see. The create the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it is on cruises anymore. If they try to cut down on glass, if a lot of stuff is like canned now, it's been a the minute since I've been on the cruise. There's a lot of hazards involved in it. It's probably a bad idea, though. I, I mean, at, at, at best, I will be mildly scolded. At worst, I'll be thrown off the boat. So yeah. I, I don't guess make make sure you really take time to consider what your next port is, because that is where they will take you to jail. Do it on the way back. Thank you for yes. the advice, Crystal. You're welcome. Taking <laughs> notes. I mean, they smash bottles on ships, you know, like like. When yeah, they that's, how you send the, yeah. that's how you send Long the boat off. You're just like, you're out there now. You're just like, we made it. Yeah, it's our okay. favorite bottle. Yeah. Right. I hope my wife is watching and taking notes because I will need these notes after. <laughs> we have a job to do here, Brian. Yeah, exactly. All right. So I have a question for Crystal. Um, yeah. So we found out that your husband is a chef. Um, yes. And not just any chef. He actually happens to be the chef at Torn Label Public House who we spoke to last week on the podcast. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a big, a big topic of uh, discussion around here. So um, with your experience in tap rooms and hospitality and his experience in restaurants, um, you know, we're kind of wondering what impresses the two of you about a dining and drinking experience. I will say that the number one thing is service. Service can make up for a lot. Um, and honestly, I would say like it's the two of us, when we go out, we're very aware of where we're going. You know, if we're going to, you know, I don't know, Buffalo Wild Wings, we have a, a certain expectation there. <laughs> sure. We're not like, oh, yeah. you know, whatever. If my wing came out cold, I honestly wouldn't be <laughs> that disappointed, especially now because I know how and obviously he has had personal experience of how hard it is to staff a kitchen right now or in general, a restaurant at all. So I would say one of our best experiences, now I will say it was a pretty, it was a linea in Chicago, which the, that bar got set pretty high. Um, I think it was like number seven in the world at the time that we went. But I mean, I wouldn't have cared what was on my plate. It was the nicest staff. Like two, I, I don't know if you guys have had experiences like sommeliers, but, you know, sometimes they take their job a little too seriously. And these guys were so down to earth. You know, when you are going somewhere like that, uh, you know, you would maybe not expect that. Um, but they were so cool, you know. And um, 
for us, yeah, I would say service is the is the number one thing that um, really sets places apart. So for repeat viewers, folks that joined us last month uh, or two months ago, we talked to uh, Marcus Bakersfield, the founder of Weathered Souls and also the founder of the Black is Beautiful movement. Now, Double Shift uh, participated in the Black is Beautiful movement by brewing your own take on it, and you partnered up with a local organization called the Urban League of Kansas City. And talking with Crystal, we found out that this is a continuing relationship with the Urban League of Kansas City. So would you like to talk more about who they are, what they do, and what you uh, work with them on? Yeah, so they, you know, obviously, I think Black is Beautiful, a a big drive on that was social justice issues, which they definitely do. Um, Kind of what drew us to them versus, uh, you know, so many other great charitable partners was their education initiatives, um, not only for children, but for adults, um, and especially you know, when 2020, it was kids having to do distance learning or whatever you want to call it nowadays. So it was getting tablets and laptops into the hands of those people so they could continue to learn when they were at home. Um, So that was a big uh, of the first initiative with Black is Beautiful is um, we specifically wanted to help with the education aspect of that, because I think, you know, kind of what we all thought, because we really did sit down and we talked about it for a while, because I know for John, it's really important. I think I honestly, all of us, it was it really important um, to to really face those challenges head on, because as we know, like the in the brewery industry, you know, it's still not balanced well with uh, minorities. So it's important to us. And so that was a big thing for that. Um, we, and the other thing was that we wanted to continue, continue to partnership. We didn't want to do just one thing, give them some money and then call it a day. We wanted to really make it count. And um, they've been great partners. They usually come to the brew day when we do it for the beer. We, we're on our second beer right now with them. It's called Black and Bold. It's a English brown ale with chicory and uh, cold brew coffee. And we were kind of throwing it back to, I think it was kind of your idea, like a New Orleans kind of vibe because we like the culture there. And they, we asked them for their input on naming this beer and they really wanted to do black and bold. So I should say we asked for their input, but we let them name it. So that was um, all them. Um, and they always come, like I said, they come out to the brew day. Um, they usually sh- sh- yeah, share our posts, social media posts, and um, they usually yeah, come in and they buy around or buy cans or, you know, depending on how the format um, for Black is Beautiful, we had bottles still. So, but yeah, they've been great. They, they're really great. They'll come and try. And, you know, I think that was a, a big concern of ours with them especially since we did want to focus on education was that it was okay that you know an alcohol producer was partnering with them um and making Mm -hmm. sure that was okay um and we kind of even have thrown around like should we do like a um you know brewer for a day kind of thing you know i mean you know that's the other thing is like people realizing other kinds of jobs 
you know, that you can get, you know, obviously brewing being one of them, um, you know, that may be something that most people wouldn't really think about. I mean, it's not even really something that like vocational schools do. Um, so, you know, we, we're trying to, to partner with them, you know, however we can, you know, for however it makes sense for them. That's a great thought. I just had a conversation with a, um, a coworker the other day about that, that nobody ever considers like brewing as a job when, you know, you go to career fair in high school. Um, so that's, yeah. that's really cool. I, I really yeah. like the idea. Yeah. Obviously um, it's a little tricky because of the age. Sure. <laughs> yeah, a little dicey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A little bit, but you know, maybe, get, maybe get them when they're in junior college or something. Yeah. 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 Cause you really only have to be 18 to serve alcohol. So. Right. Yep. That's when I started serving tables and serving wine and serving beer. So, okay. So, you know, we've learned so much about Kansas city this month. Kansas city is known for a lot more things than I think people know about Kansas city for, but, um, what is something that each of you, all of you wish that Kansas city was more well-known for? Uh, I pretty much grew up here. I moved away when I was like 30 and, um, (laughs) <laughs> moved to Orlando, Florida. One of the first conversations I had with someone was like, oh, did you grow up on a farm? And I was like, that could not be further from <laughs> the truth. I mean, because A, like, I think Orlando and Kansas City, you know, metro, like the, obviously not with saying like Disney, but I think the actual city has about the same population. And for me, I found a lot more things to do here in Kansas City than I did in Orlando because it is so driven by tourism there. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit lacking in like the arts. I know for us, music is obviously a big thing here. We partnered with a place that had, had, did have to close this last year, but the Riot Room, we partnered with a couple of times. Um, but just like little venues like that, where you can go see like a kick-ass, sometimes local band, you know, regional band for like 10 or $15. And you cannot do that in Orlando. I don't, wouldn't even know where to go see like a play or a, a ballet. Like we definitely have museums here and obviously, you know, big tourism poles are like major league sports. And, you know, I think we just have a little bit of everything, food and, and, and drinking is obviously a big, big thing too here. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. Like I think like food to me, like I'm not from Kansas city. I've only been here for like, going on six years now, but I mean, just the food here is incredible. There's so many hidden gems and just pull them off places that you wouldn't think were just incredible. I mean, right. you know, not just I, barbecue. I, uh, yeah, yeah, Obviously. yeah. I mean, it, yeah, we're known for barbecue as well, but it's also, I mean, like her husband going back to her husband Vince. Like, I love everything that they're doing with Corn Label. The food there is incredible. It's like it's not like your it's not like your, your t- typical burger that or like a greasy burger that you're gonna get. You know, it's like there's always something interesting on the menu, uh, you know, like octopus or like whatever you may have. Like, I love that yeah. kind of stuff. So um, and, and it's and it's a lot of stuff that like you kind of see in bigger cities, um, for example. But you can still find that here. Uh, you just kind of got to look for it. It's more approachable, too, because, you know, you know, going back to like Alinea, that's can be <laughs> obviously cost and just trying to get in and that kind of thing is can be a little bit off putting. You don't know what to expect, but I think just like the the friendly nature of the people here and the community in, in general, um, it's just way more approachable. I think even even if it is 
something that's like James Beard nominated, like you go in and like the owners chatting you up about music or, or something random, you know, it's, it's so basically great. what you're saying is somebody gets a Michelin star and there goes the neighborhood. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> no, we're not, we're not going <laughs> to, no, no, not necessarily. Yeah. I mean, as I said, Alinea was some of the best service we've ever had. I mean, going on 11 yeah. years now, but you know, just the presentation of it, I suppose can be off putting, you know, you Absolutely. don't know until you walk in the door. Whereas here, you know, people, you're like, Oh, Fox and Pearl. I was like, yeah, you need to go and chat up. So-and-so the bartender or this other, you know, ask for this server. Like usually people know like somebody that works there, they can suggest it like by name. Um, There's I think, a really good network. Though. Yeah, mean, so it's great. The, the service industry is, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I've worked at other bars too around Kansas City and yeah, you just kind of like bounce people around to other spots. And you know, that's yeah. a lot of fun too. And it's fun because like, uh, sometimes we'll, <laughs> we don't do this at the brewery, but <laughs> sometimes we'll uh, just send like a little shot. Like if we know, if somebody's like, oh, hey, like, what's a cool spot to go? And we're like, okay, you go to this place. But also like take this with you and give this, <laughs> like, I know so-and-so is working, just give this to the bartender. <laughs> so it's like, it's kind of a fun thing we do. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's great. Yeah. yeah like I say, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a, kind of a small town city vibe. Yeah, it yeah. really is. Uh, to even today, literally today, I sat, I sent two ladies over to a steakhouse and I was like, Oh, ask for Chris or ask for, um, Chad. And they were like, Oh, which one is like, which one should we ask for first? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> They're both great. <laughs> but yeah, I think they were like, okay. And that was, I think that, you know, just makes it, you know, even if you're going to, yeah, like a hundred dollar plate steakhouse, when someone says, oh, hey, go ask for so-and-so, they're like, cool, great. We're definitely going now, you know, especially if they can't decide. It definitely makes the customer feel like, I mean, more involved too, especially for a lot of out of town, but, you know, we get people from out of town all the time. And that's kind of the best part is just recommending it. It's kind of whoever's working at the time. It's like, they all have their own like spots. So it's like everyone has like their own recommendations on where to go. For sure. I feel like you guys awesome. have such formal answers. Meanwhile, I'm just like, yeah, did you hear about this like weird conspiracy <laughs> with like the giant little like bat bitten like thing we have uh, at the Nelson? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, at the Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have like um, the shuttlecock that's there for the longest right. time. We can't win the NFL game because the shuttlecock is there, or like it controls the weather. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I've never heard like, that one. Out of range stuff. <laughs> or um, I had not heard that either. So I really like to recommend. <laughs> We're getting um, it Yeah. <laughs> uh, the West Bottom to a lot of people because it's got a ton of. For some reason, Kansas City has a ton of uh, scare houses just in one specific section, and yeah. it's just like five stair houses in the same block yeah and it's like the edge of hell and like the edgar Allan poe and like all this other stuff yeah so it's it was the, but it's funny it, because it moonlights at night as this kind of scare house but then during the day it's like this really cool um, it's like all antiques it's all stores. antiques and so like they're yeah. just like come find your dresser of your dreams or like this yeah. refurnished chair and like and then come back at night and we're like we're gonna kill you oh my god there's, <laughs> yeah there's a guy that has a rat and he, he puts it in his mouth i don't he's probably long gone because this is from when i was a teenager but there was one guy who was at always at this one haunted house and he had, just had like this pet rat and it was 
stick it in his mouth. And it, just while oh. you were waiting in line, you're like, I haven't even paid any money. I haven't really even gotten <laughs> like, nope, this is the guy with the rat keeping everyone out. Yeah, yeah I'm not from here. Like I said, I'm not from here, so I don't know all the Kansas City folklore. Don't know, don't know, rat guy. It's news yeah, to Joseph. Don't know, I don't know rat guy. It sounds fun. Dude. Fun. All right. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> oh questionable whether uh, any of the haunted houses were actually paying him or if he just did it for his sister's <laughs> the They're just so sporadic. And like one will be like, hey, you want to jump out of a building? And the other one's like, you want to go down a dark slide? <laughs> it's just like, oh really my like God. kind of oh. feverish dream type scenarios that happen in the last problems. Like they just had a Mardi Gras party, I think this past Sunday, where everyone brought their own instruments, and they just marched around the block, making as much noise as possible. It gets weird now. It's fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Wow. Yeah. I'm so disappointed I didn't get to visit Kansas City before this. I'm gonna have to make my way out there from Pittsburgh. Um, well, it's still getting more and more awesome. So right every day. Well, thank you so much, Crystal, Joe, Alanis. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is MC's last episode, as well as the last episode featuring lovely Kansas City. We will be moving on to another exciting city next month. But before we say farewell to KC, MC, do you have any final thoughts on KC or your co-hosting experience this month? Uh, I love co-hosting so much, Brian. Um, and I love Kansas City so much. Uh, you guys, I've, I've been like just pouring my heart out for the last month. You guys know how much I love Kansas City. So this has been a particularly special experience for me. Um, and I'm just really grateful to have been able to like drink Kansas City beers, be able to share my state in a city that's like so close to my heart with you all. Um, and so, yeah, thank you all for allowing me to do that. Thanks, Brian, for having me. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, you've, you have been an exceptional co-host uh i i think fans at home you could expect to see mc back at some time if she'll agree to come back oh um i'll jump at the chance fans oh, at home put your put your requests in the comments now yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that is all wonderful thanks again to everybody at double shift for joining us tonight yeah, yeah, thank you for us. having us you're welcome MC, we'll uh, see you next weekend Yes, absolutely. Expect to see like a hundred percent. It's actually in my plans to hit probably all four of these breweries that we visited this month next awesome. weekend. So MC, okay. I recommend I recommend you go to Double Shift and you ask for <laughs> Crystal or Joe right. or Alanis. Did I take a shot with me? Perhaps? <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll we've, we've got like hundreds of bots. Yeah. Yeah. Is that cool? yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That's awesome. Well, <laughs> cheers, everybody. Wow, what a way to cap off our journey through Kansas City. Again, huge congratulations to MC on passing her certified Cicerone exam. Uh, we can't wait to see what's next for her beer journey. Thanks again to Crystal, Joe, and Alanis for joining us and supplying us with awesome beers. You can follow Double Shift on Instagram at Double Shift Brewing and on Facebook at Double Shift Brewing Co. You can find more from us at Bruvana.com. That's also where you could sign up for the Brews Less Traveled Beer Club and receive a box of beers from our featured breweries shipped directly to your doorstep. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bruvana and on Untapped. 
to keep up with the latest beers from the beer club. We'll be back next week with a very special episode to kick off our next featured city. But until then, stay safe, be kind, and support those local breweries. Cheers.